Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, podcast listeners. I would just wanted to give a little announcement for anybody in Australia or who wants to go to Australia. Our next Vitality Shift Immersion Day is going to be in Perth, Australia on September 15th. So if you are around Australia or want to go to, to for a holiday to Australia and uh, check out the Vitality Shift Immersion Day, go to www.trueconceptseminars.com and just check on the Perth, Australia link. Um, we had a, just a great time in London, England, got a lot of great feedback and we can't wait to do the same program down in Australia. So if you're around there, come look us up now back to the podcast. Hello everybody. And welcome to another episode of breaking the underdog curse for chiropractors. And that's vitalistic chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald and I get to go down to Sydney, Australia. I like to zigzag all over the world and find amazing chiropractors all over the world and then dig into their stories. Uh, this guest I met at Cairo Europe and uh, we were right across the table from each other um, at the speaker's dinner having a good chat and I was like man I got to get her on the show because she's has a really cool story she's been all over the place uh, she uh, graduated from I think the inaugural class at Murdoch University and she's been in practice for 13 years and she's practiced in a bunch of different places and now she's located in Sydney so um, I want to just welcome to the podcast Dr. Erin Hawken, how are you? Hi, Don. I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. This is awesome. I'm, I'm excited to kind of dig into your story because uh, it sounds like it's been a little bit of a whirlwind. <laughs> it's been definitely a whirlwind of many places and many practices um, and many lessons learned without a doubt. A hundred percent. And you had a lot of, like, I know because you've had a lot of associate experiences and now you have your own practice. So, so like I like to do with all my guests is, is kind of dig back to how did the whole thing start in the beginning and then we'll get into your whole story. The whole thing is in chiropractic and myself. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that no, back to, I went back to, to 1895. No, just kidding. <laughs> that far. Well, there was this guy called D.D. Palmer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So uh, I am fortunate enough to have been adjusted for most of my life since I was a, a kid. My parents had a friend who was a chiropractor and um, she used to just tell my parents, you must bring your kids to get adjusted every month. And so off we went every month to the chiropractor. And I don't think that any of us really understood why. I still don't think my parents understand why. <laughs> they, go they just did what they were told. So they just did. We did what we were told and, and it became part of our routine and, it became part of my life and it just continued on into my um, young adulthood. And when I was looking at career options, when I was finishing a high school, my mum said, well, what about being a chiropractor? And I sort of thought, yeah, you know, Dr. Julie, she's got a cool job. She gets to hang out with people all day. She doesn't sit at a desk. She sits her own hours. It seems like she takes lots of holidays. That sounds like a great job for me. Um, <laughs> You know, not a lot of not a lot more thought went into it. I wish I could say it did. Yeah, um, but it didn't. And so uh, off I went to chiropractic school uh, in at Murdoch University, and we were the first class at Murdoch University. The school hadn't been accredited yet, and at the time, I don't think any of us really understood 
the possible potential implications of that, but it all worked out okay. And, and the school got accredited after we finished our five years. So that was, that was helpful that we were actually able to practice. That's a little bit scary because um, that was in Perth, right? It's in Perth, Western yes. Australia. Excellent. And so like I've, I've talked to a few of the inaugural people from even the New Zealand College of Chiropractic and you guys are like Blade Runners, you know, just going through taking all these student loans because a lot of people graduate with a huge student loan. Now, imagine maybe not even being able to practice. <laughs> we complain about it now. <laughs> and I think we sort of thought that, that it wouldn't happen. But at the same time, there was a physiotherapy school that was going through the same thing in Western Australia and they didn't get accredited and the students actually ended up having to sue the university and it was a whole debacle. So whilst we were naive in thinking, oh, it's not going to be a problem, it, it can potentially be a big problem. <laughs> no doubt. But anyway, it worked out just fine. <laughs> That's cool. And so you, uh, and, and how, how is school? Like, so you're, ex, you're, you're, you know, obviously a vitalistic chiropractic chiropractor now and know all the, the, the different benefits chiropractic care can provide. Um, when you went in, cause you said you still didn't really know that much about chiropractic. Did you like, what was your kind of mindset around what chiropractic was when you went to school? I think I had a vague idea that it was about helping your body be healthier. It was never so much about fixing something, but it, that was about as far as it went. It was like exercise, you know, you did it because it, it helped you and it was good for you and, and it should be part of your routine. And that was probably about it. That was really all I understood. And then at university, of course, we didn't get a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. um, but I was really, really fortunate to have some incredible mentors throughout university and then also in my associateships beyond that, which um, really helped me to develop that philosophy um, and embrace all that chiropractic has to offer. Did you, um, did you like, how did you get those mentors? Because we have a lot of students that listen to this podcast. So did you, did you just innately know to go look for mentors or did you just kind of stumble into them or how did that happen? I think a lot by accident. However, um, I, I really like people. The thing that I love about chiropractic is that I really just like being with people and I like listening to people talk and I like being part of their life and I like them being part of my life. And so when I would meet different chiropractors through university or through, through other avenues, I would just say, oh, do you mind if I come and observe sometime? Or, hey, I really liked what you said. Can we go and have a coffee? And, of course, you know, chiropractors are always so happy to help students, which most students don't actually understand. Right. If you approach a chiropractor and ask for their help, they are going to help you. It's as simple as that. You don't ever have to be concerned about asking for help from a chiropractor because it's, it's a no-brainer. They're going to say yes. That's and so cool. I got to spend all this time in all these different practices and with all these wonderful people because, of course, they, they wanted to help me. That's excellent. And so did, did you, um, did you like observe or did you work in a practice or, or, or did you just kind of go for dinner or coffee or how did that? All of the above. So I would observe um, and that was what I did most of the time. And then it was coffee. And then of course, chiropractors would say, oh, hey, there's a great seminar this weekend. How about you come along with the team? I'm taking my team. How about you come along? And so I often got sponsored to go to seminars or events or um, even if it was coffees. Um, I didn't work in a practice. However, I did get asked to cover for CAs when CAs were away just because I, I knew a little bit about chiropractic. And yeah. so I'd often just go into practices and cover when people's CAs were away. And 
just hang out and talk tick and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. That's cool. So by the time you graduated, did you have a pretty good grasp of what chiropractic was? I would say I had a better grasp of what chiropractic was. And I still think and until you are connecting with people hands-on and hearts open and um, connecting them to themselves and connecting between you and them and connecting them to the world around them, I don't think you can really grasp the greatness of chiropractic. And I think it was really when I graduated and started being able to do those things that you start to learn more and, and being able to grasp the vastness that's the, the potential vastness that's there. That's so cool. Yeah. And it's so true. It's like that practice makes perfect. Right. So you got to have that experience, not just the knowledge. The experience. And I think it's still, it's, it's absolute. I don't think I know it's still happening today, 12, 13 years on. I'm still learning that, that the boundaries of chiropractic and its potential are still expanding exponentially every day for me. in practice. <laughs> That's so cool. That's awesome. Now, when you graduated, um, what did you do uh, for then? Where you, I think you probably started off as an associate. I, th- I think I heard you say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just let you all know, I've been associate of four different practices and then now I have my own practice, Live Love Life in Sydney. Um, so yeah, I've, I've had, I've had a few associate experiences, um, mostly good. Thank goodness. Um, so I went and worked for one, a local practice in Perth and, um, I worked with two older gentlemen and that was interesting. Um, they were super lovely guys and it was a great practice. It was busy enough. It was, um, a little mechanistic with a vague kind of philosophical base floating around underneath there somewhere but I got my hands on people and I was quite busy straight away. And it was quite a surprise to me because I really didn't think that my technical skills were very good (laughs) (laughs) as most, as most grades. In fact, I know they were terrible and I knew at the time they were really, really poor. And, and so it made me think, well, why are people coming to see me? (laughs) What is it? You want me to to look after your baby? Oh gosh. Okay. (laughs) Why are they trusting me? And that was probably one of my biggest first lessons in chiropractic that they trusted me because they knew that I cared about them and they knew that I loved them and that I was there because I was passionate about what I was doing and I was happy to be there. And it was that that they were trusting. Yes. Um, And it was a really, really nice start to my career to think, well, I am enough within this. Everything else is going to bring more and and I'm going to continue learning and developing my technique and my technical skills and all the rest. But when I can bring that to my practice every day, then I will be successful. Mm, That's cool. So you started off at that, um, at that place, obviously going, why are people seeing me? Just because you love them so much, but that's, that's a good reason (laughs) for them to start. Yeah. And then, and then, so did you stay there for a few years and then move on? Yes. So I was there for a few years. And like I said, it was a great practice with two old, two older gentlemen who were lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, you know, they played a CD on repeat. It was Pan Flutes of Love. And I listened to that same CD for two years. The doors were, <laughs> I still remember. I still remember it. Um, the doors were closed and it was um, a really a, a 
I want to say in inverted commas, commas, quite a professional practice. I would wear a collared shirt and my hair tied up and pearl earrings and a necklace and closed in shoes and all of that sort of thing. And I was at the time 26 years old and it got to the point where I thought, oh, I really just am looking for some other kind of connection with younger chiropractors and a younger community. And um, I ran into someone who I'd known from my childhood, who's Dr. Taylor Vag, another fantastic chiropractor. Yes. Um, and she said to me, we actually went to primary school together. We grew up. And she said, why don't you come wait with me? I've just taken over my dad's practice in Fremantle, which is the hometown, my hometown. Um, and so I, I then I left the guys and I went and worked with Taylor. And that just, again, it was another expansion for me because mm. I, Throughout my university career and then in my first associateship, I hadn't actually been exposed to any female chiropractors. Oh, wow. Um, except for Dr. Julie, who was my first chiropractor, I, there, there were none. And so here was Taylor Vag, and she is a strong, phenomenal, philosophically grounded woman who sets goals like you've never seen before, you know. Yeah. She set goals like I've set goals in practice. and. <laughs> she was hitting those goals. She was smashing those goals out of the ballpark and she was involved in the association and she would sit on the board and she was just really, really engaged and active and she wouldn't take no for an answer. And she was just going for what she wanted. And it was really, really inspiring to be around and encouraging and a reminder as a woman of the lack of limitations. Most of the time those limitations are in our own mind, especially as female chiropractors. I think you think, Oh, but I'm, I'm not built like a man or um, I can't see as many people because I can't adjust like a guy or things like that. But they're absolutely perceived blockages rather than actual blockages for us. Um, And so Taylor really, really taught me that. That's cool. And I, I, I've interviewed a couple of chiropract- female chiropractors on the podcast that are like about not even five foot tall and I've been adjusted by them and they're just awesome adjusters. So I, I whenever I have practice members um, that are female that said, Oh, and I've been their only chiropractor. I'm six foot four and like 230 pounds and they think that they have to be that big. And I'm like, no, 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 listen to this podcast because, <laughs> because you know, it's, it's all about your, your technique and, 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 like you get amazing adjustments. It doesn't matter what Absolutely. size you're on. Yeah. And finesse and, and all the rest. And, you know, Taylor was phenomenal in, in um, her drive, but she was also really taught me about um, how setting up really strong systems and procedures in practice can support your success. Yeah. Um, and, and it makes it safe and predictable. So you, I used to think that, it made things too regimented to set really strict systems and procedures. I thought, no, I want to um, be more free and all the rest, but it actually creates stress yes. <laughs> when you don't have those systems and procedures and it actually detracts from your ability to, to focus on the main thing, which is connecting with people and to people um, because you're always worrying about something else going on but when you can predict what's going to go on most of the time it makes it super easy just to be with people and to get them adjusted and and to create more referrals and to to really be attractive in your practice yeah and i find if you have those systems it's almost like you get little mini freestyle moments um, because it actually opens up little little mini moments where you can be free. Um, totally. But, but if you're totally free, it kind of like fills up with chaos. <laughs> 
Absolutely, it is. It is chaos when there's not that that back side, that back end structure. I think it it really it, it makes it difficult to build the practice that you want to have. That's cool. And so, on that second associate with uh, associateship, was that the biggest thing that you think you learned was about the systems and knowing how amazing you can be as a chiropractor, even as a female chiropractor. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think so. And, and we were an all female practice and we were kicking ass and that was really cool. We were um, up there with some of the busiest practices in the state. So I think I was relatively new grad and Taylor was a few years ahead of me and we you did really well. And we were rocking it. Yeah. And she's, she's still there rocking it. She's amazing. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was empowering for me. Yes. And then, and then you, how long did you stay there for? I stayed there for three years. Um, yeah. and then I got itchy feet, as you can sense. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit of a nomad. I don't mind moving and, and changing. Um, yeah. and so I actually decided I wanted to go traveling. And so I, I set my U S board exams. So I was born in Colorado. Oh, um, and so I have a U.S. passport. And so I thought, Oh, great. I will, um, go to Manhattan and, um, I wanted to be like Carrie Bradshaw a little on sex in the city and get some fantastic <laughs> shoes and drink That's cocktails and, <laughs> you know, it sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. I think, and, and now I want to be more like Brandy McDonald with her fantastic shoes and, and rocking <laughs> fantastic outfits. So from one style icon to another. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> so I sat my U S board exams and, and, uh, we had to go to the US, I went with my husband, David, to sit the final part. And of course, it takes a few months for the results to come out. And in that period of time, we thought, oh, well, we'll just go and spend some time in Europe. We'll have a, a bit of a holiday and a bit of a break. Um, and we spent six months in Berlin. And so I'd found out that I per passed my US board exams and we decided we didn't want to go back to the US. We wanted to stay in Europe. Um, and so we looked for a job and a job came up in Amsterdam. And so off we went to Amsterdam. Wow, that's wild. And, and, and so just for, for the listeners, because we got listeners all over the world, but you know, in North America and all that. Um, and I know in Europe, a lot of different places aren't regulated, right, for Correct. chiropractic. And, and what is chiropractic like in Amsterdam? Um, in Amsterdam, it, it is legal and it's regulated, but they don't have a school that trains Dutch chiropractors in the Netherlands. So it was still relatively unknown. Mm -hmm. And they have other, um, other professionals who claim to do a similar thing called manual therapists. And then there's physiotherapists of, as well. But chiropractic was relatively unknown. Um, so I think within that, there were challenges, but there was also tremendous opportunity Yes. Um, and the tremendous opportunity was really to, to serve our profession in creating a really good reputation for chiropractic and communicating it in, in its truest, purest form that we knew of how to do at that time. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I worked in a super busy practice and I met Liz and Loz, who you might know, they, they also have a podcast, Just Tick. Yes, um, yes, I did. with them. Yep. Um, and we had a, a lot of fun. Three, three girls, um, open plan adjusting. It was the first time I'd adjusted open plan too. Um, and that was really, really cool. We used to kind of bump into each other. We'd all adjust at the same time and uh, <laughs> it was a whole lot of fun, a bit of a party. But um, yeah, in Europe, there's lots of places where chiropractic's not regulated, in fact, where there's no law at all around it. So it, it can be a little bit um, of an unknown. 
Yes. Well, and I just found it was interesting at uh, Cairo Europe because you had chiropractors from like 23 different countries and you'll never get that in North America because it's too far for people to come. So, so it's pretty cool because every single place has such a different rules around it. Now, and when you went to Amsterdam, um, like how did you guys grow your practice at the beginning? Like was it different than in Australia or, or how did that work? No, I, I think practice growth is really similar anywhere that you go. Um, I've built five practices. I, every, every practice I started in, I started with zero patients being handed to me. Um, and, of course, the practice always supports it. But there's still a certain amount of growth that you need to make happen. But honestly, Don, in my experience, practice growth comes from you. It comes from you being aligned with yourself, being the person that you want to be, living the life that you want to live, um, and that's really the first step to practice growth. And if you can nail that, the rest comes pretty easy. But if you're not nailing that, then you're always going to struggle. <laughs> and that's hard because people yeah. are like, can't you just tell me what to do? Yeah, and, <laughs> and this is the thing. Still, I have emails nearly every day saying, hey, I heard that, um, and we'll talk about Live Love Life soon because I started with quite a different model from a traditional chiropractic practice. Yeah. And they say, how did you do that? Can you send me your scripts? And I feel like saying to them, <laughs> it's not about the scripts. It, yeah. it was where I was at at that point in time and it was what I had to do and that's why it worked because I was being honest and true with myself and my situation and I brought everything I'd learned into that moment. But Great. as soon as you start to bring someone else into your practice, oh, so-and-so did this or so-and-so did that, so therefore it's going to work for me, it's, it's not the case. <laughs> right. You, you almost have to take – well, it's nice because you, you can hear other people's ideas of how they've done it, but then just you got to process it through your own innate, basically, through your own computer to make it your own, right? Because it gives you good ideas, but sometimes you won't do things the exact same as others. Yeah, you've got to do it in a way that you feel comfortable with, that resonates with you, that you can feel most powerful in. Because as soon as you start to be someone else, you're actually losing your power, um, mm -hmm. I feel. You're, you're less effective. And so, yeah, it's important to develop your own ideas around it. But um, for me, practice growth always came down to um, relationships. Um, it's relationships with other people. It's relationships with, um, in terms of other practitioners and creating good referral networks there. Um, it's relationships with your practice people um, and how well you can build um, referrals from them. Um, and then it's relationships with your community and your community groups around there. Um, and that's really where my best referrals always have come from. Screenings are amazing. I'm terrible at them. A lot of people are really, really good at them and get a whole pile of new people. That's not me. Or people like me, I, I get other people to help me. <laughs> so you know my energy people to come help you. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think knowing your knowing knowing yourself and, and I guess that's where I was going with I, I've only recently understood that I'm actually an introvert, not an extrovert. And so doing a screening was really, really difficult for me. I don't, I'm not energized by being around a lot of people and um, by um, grabbing people out of a crowd and say, hey, look yeah. at what I've got. That's, that's just not me at all. But what I'm really good at is sitting down with someone and connecting with them one-on-one. -on -one, yes. Uh, or with a, with a small group of people and being really honest with them and real and, and freestyling like we are now. Yeah. Um, and letting the conversation go wherever it needs to go. And for me, that's been the best way to, um, to build the practice. 
That's cool. So you um, in Amsterdam and how long were you in Amsterdam? Amsterdam for two years. Two years. Cool. And then where did you go from there? <laughs> it's like, a, well, and, a I know, I know. <laughs> Amsterdam, and Amsterdam was really cool because my principal chiropractor took me down to Cairo Europe. Um, yeah. My first year there. And Don, you know, now Cairo Europe is, like nothing you've ever experienced in chiropractic before. Yes. Well, it was, it was for me anyway. Yeah. Um, it, it is, it, it's about connecting with each other as much as it is about going to a seminar. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just built on love. You feel this so much love in the room. The speakers have like a three minute standing ovation before they even speak. <laughs> and then after they finished, it's the same again. And it's just, <laughs> everyone's together you eat breakfast lunch and dinner together and um, yeah. you all stay at the same hotel together and it, it really was phenomenal for me and i heard Stu Bittman speak for the first time the first car of europe i went to was um sig uh, was speaking um, oh wow yeah it was pretty phenomenal and um chuck ribley and Stu Bittman, and it was just it was mind-blowing and Stu got up there in a tie-dye t-shirt and sandals and blue jeans. And he just, (laughs) you know, he pulled out at a professional seminar in front of 600 people and he pulled out this crumpled piece of paper out of his pocket. And there were a few scratchings of blue biro on it. And he was like, Hey guys, here's my PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) And he he held up this crumpled piece of paper and it, it, (laughs) I'd never encountered in chiropractic that amount of freedom before. Yes. And it really, really spoke to me because he was this super successful chiropractor and especially in Australia, you know, Australia is a very regulated. Yes. um, Lots of rules. Professional place where there's rules and you have to do things by the book and you're a professional. So you've got to dress like this and act like this and all the rest. And he was this guy, this super successful guy up there in his tie dye t-shirt with this shitty piece of crumpled up paper. (laughs) (laughs) And he brought the room down in tears that day. He was phenomenal. And from that, I, I really took that finding that freedom in practice and bringing yourself into practice in a really true and authentic way is actually a big part of, of being successful and, and growing a practice. That's so anyway, how long ago was that? Like how long was it long ago was the first, uh, that was in 2012. Oh, cool. That was in and, 2012. And they and have so two seminars here, right? Two seminars. They have two a year, April and October. Um, yeah. And they're both fantastic, but they have awesome speakers from all over the world. And it's just the best family. I still go, as you know, from Australia all the way. Yes. About 30. How long does it take you guys to get there? I took, it probably took us about 26. Uh, yeah. And you get just, just because of layovers and stuff like that, because, and I think we could have gone a faster way. Uh, we could have gone through Calgary. We went through Toronto, but it was, it was, uh, but it's still worth it. It was good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. It takes me about 30, 32 hours, I think all up. To get over to Malaga, Spain. And it's to, always at the same place. It's always at the same place and I don't leave the hotel. It's funny. People say, oh, you're going to Spain? I said, oh, kind of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to a hotel in Spain. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really cool. So, um, so, you, so that, that's when the first time you, you saw some Cairo Europe. And then um, where did you go after Amsterdam? 
yeah so then you know some when things are going really good in your life, sometimes all of a sudden they start going really badly as well, you know, <laughs> the sine wave of life after a high comes a low. Yeah. Um, and there were some lows happening in my life at that point in time. We had a family member who was quite unwell um, and a few other things. I wasn't in the best state of mind and um, my relationship was having some difficulties and so in our lack of clarity uh, in that moment, we decided to move back to Australia um, and we moved to Sydney simply because it seemed like there was more possibility and option for my husband's work and for a number of different reasons. And so yeah. we landed in Sydney and um, I accepted an associateship with um, some people and in a practice that I'd actually never met before. Um, oh, wow. And <laughs> Which That's was interesting brave. because it was, yeah, it was brave, but it was, it was a necessity. Um, we had no money. We'd been having a good time in Europe for three years. I'd <laughs> had the six months off before that in Berlin. No doubt. Um, I just built the third practice, you know, and the idea of building a fourth was not that exciting at that point in time. <laughs> um, and so there were, there were lots of, on paper benefits of, of going to this associateship. So I went to this associateship and pretty much within the first day, I realized I was a massive fish out of water. Uh, it was quite a, <laughs> it was quite a big practice. Um, there was five other chiropractors there, um, 15 minute appointments, closed doors. Um, the principal came in, knocked on my door the first day and said, oh, I'm just going to get the ultrasound machine out of the cupboard. And I just thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> where am I what's going on so I'd, I'd just come from that amazing Cairo Europe experience yeah into this closed door ultrasound kind of weird chiropractic I don't <laughs> want to say hell but for me it was it kind of was at that point in time. it definitely wasn't your utopia <laughs> definitely definitely not um, but the, the thing is I, I really didn't have that many other options at the time uh -huh. Chiropractic in Australia was in one of its darkest times in the history of chiropractic in Australia. It was such a bad idea to come back, really, <laughs> looking back on it. Um, there was all that stuff going on with, um, with kids and chiropractic and with, um, with uh, regulations around advertising and probably similar to what you guys are going through yeah. in Canada right now. Yeah. Um, the public perception of chiropractic was very very low at that point in time the media were hounding on chiropractic um so in, anyway i didn't really see as though i had much potential for finding a better place um, i didn't know anyone in sydney i didn't know a single soul oh, i didn't wow. really know any other chiropractors even and so i just thought well i've got a few options here i can stay and just follow the way the practice works and I can do what they do and hate myself every day and cry myself to sleep, <laughs> cry myself to sleep every night. <laughs> I can, um, <laughs> I can leave, but I don't know where I go. Um, and I don't really have any money, so I can't really as well. And, or I can stay and try and make things work the best way that I know how to work. And so that's what I did. So I sat down and spoke, spoke with the principals just about what I wanted to do. And they were actually pretty supportive. They said, you know, 
it won't work here, but you can give it a try. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I, t- I took that as a yes, do whatever you want. And yeah. so, <laughs> so I, did. I had, I had a, my office was big enough to fit two tables in. So I dragged two tables in and I opened the door and yeah. I thought, right, I can't have an open plan practice, but I can have an open plan room and totally. I can have an open door policy. And so I started um, educating people about chiropractic. And so, I, of course, you'd see a few of the practice members who were existing and they just looked at me like I was crazy and asked to never see me ever, ever again, pretty much. <laughs> And so I thought, right, okay, so I actually literally have to start from scratch. And so I just started networking with people in the surrounding community. Um, I started holding my, um, whatever you want to call it, some people call it a health talk, a special appointment. I call it an orientation appointment now. I'm quite enjoying that. Um, Nice. I started holding an orientation appointment. for the new people coming in, um, I adjusted open plan. I spent a lot of time with the front desk trying to ask, encourage them to book the way I would like them to. So I increased to four times the scheduling that they were used to doing. Great. Um, which was challenging for I was going to say, it's tough. <laughs> it is tough, yeah. Especially when everyone else still wanted to do the same thing in the practice. But I, at that stage, I was quite determined. I think, you know, when you're an underdog, Don, yes. <laughs> you, have fighting, you have this fighting capacity that you never really knew that you had in you. Yep. And not necessarily a fighting capacity, but you have this strength and, and there's failing or doing it another way isn't an option. Totally. And so... And so so you just basically had them go book me for every 15 minutes, even though everybody else is booking one every 15 minutes. And you're also the, so you're the associate, you're the, you're the new one on the block. Right. And they're probably thinking, why is she being a pain in the butt? Because everyone else is just going one every 15 minutes. Totally. Everyone else wore a uniform and I said, I'm not wearing a uniform. Wow. <laughs> so I was, the, I was the odd one. Out, I went out to the max. The door was open. I made them, bring people in while there was someone else in the room at the same time. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> it was just super challenging, but um, I'm really grateful for the things I did do. And of course there's always difficulties within that, but within 18 months I was the busiest chiropractor in the practice and that practice wow. had been there for 20 years. That's awesome. Did they ever come yeah. for you, come to you for mentorship then after that? And say, <laughs> hey, how are you doing this? One of the younger associates did. One of the more senior associates didn't talk to me for the first 12 months that I worked there because oh. he was quite challenged by what I was doing. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, again, I just, I didn't really care. I, I was in survival mode at that point and in that underdog mode. And it was just like, this is what I'm doing. I don't care what you guys are doing. I'm going for it. I channeled my inner Taylor bag and I thought, I'm, <laughs> this is what I'm going for and I'm going to get it. You go, and, girl. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. And so, I, I, yeah, it, it was, I think that it's super there's going to be lots of associates out there listening, Don, who are in associateships where they feel like they're not aligned with the practice or they're not getting the support that they think they should be getting or this or that. Um, and as an associate, it's really easy to think you're being shortchanged. Yeah. Um, <laughs> however, I would like to tell you all that 
that's an opportunity for you to realize your strength. It's an opportunity for you without having the cost of the overheads of running the practice to really challenge yourself and see what you're capable of Mm -hmm. and how far you can take it. It challenged my paradigm to such an extent that it's, it's now cemented in me because it would have been so easy if I was questioning any of the chiropractic philosophy or myself or my values, it would have been so easy just to sway to the other side and go with the flow. But it, it challenged it so much and it made me feel so sick inside to see it that now it's, it's just ingrained in me. There's no, um, what am I trying to say? Help me out here. It's just a part of you. Like you don't have to work at it anymore. It's like it becomes exactly. your new default settings. That's, that's just like what we talk about when we're adjusting someone. You, gotta, you want to create a new default setting in your body. <laughs> that's exactly right. And so then when the time came for me to leave and, and I finally felt ready to commit to one place long enough to open up my own practice, yeah. I had this wonderful experience and strength and trust that I could absolutely build a practice and I could absolutely make it succeed. I had all the experience I needed to do that in some of the toughest um, conditions. Yeah. And it all of a sudden just made it easier. It was just floating downstream rather than constantly swimming against it. That's cool. So you, then did you just open to your place now? Is that when you moved to the place you're at now? Yeah. So, um, yep. So I was at that practice for two and a half years. Um, and then I, I went to Cairo Europe and you know how they have the raffle where you win Yes. all the equipment that you need to open up your own practice. Yes. <laughs> so I, I won that raffle. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and another, there's a whole nother story behind that, but that's for another podcast and another time. Um, but I, I, all weekend, I was just like, my girlfriend said, you need to win that raffle. And I thought, I really do need to win that raffle. And the whole weekend, I said to everyone, I'm going to win the raffle. I'm going to win that raffle. I'm going to win the raffle. And I did. I won, I won that raffle. And That's so I amazing. Went to, to and so, with, was that, was that, how, what was that, like a couple tables and some, like how, what was yeah. in that package? So Don Quiro, fabulous um, chiropractic supplies business in Spain, um, sponsors it and he gives you two tables he gives you um, all your models your spinal full spine model degeneration model your posters blocks um, pregnancy cushions activator everything oh nice <laughs> everything you know all the reasons that you create in your head that you can't build your own practice right. or, or open your own practice all yeah. of a sudden most of them were gone <laughs> So I, I went back to Sydney and I sort of, you know, I had, I had to open my own practice. And, and of course, because Mark Hudson was on the phone to me saying, you better open that practice now that you won that stuff. <laughs> now there's no and, looking back, right? No. And you don't, you don't want to um, go against what Mark asks you to do either. <laughs> That's funny. So, and, so you, found, you opened your practice and how long ago was that that you opened this practice? Uh, that will be two years in September. Wow. And was it close enough to be able to bring over any of your practice members or patients? From no, the other place? Um, it's 4.2 kilometers from my last place, but in Sydney, the Sydney yeah, traffic, that, that can be ways. like a 40 minute drive, 45 minute drive. And also, of course, I, I'd been an associate, so there were restriction causes and, and all the rest. Yeah. Um, so again, I, I started from zero. Um, 
and and I actually just rented a 15 square meter room, Don. I didn't nice. take on a lease. I didn't because I, I don't like to commit to being in one place for too long. It sounds <laughs> like it. Kidding You're like, the, you have the two year itch every time. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Um, and <laughs> so I just rented a 15 square meter room and I crammed both of my tables in there that I'd won. Yeah. Um, it was up a flight of stairs with no door at the top of the flight of stairs. And so I just said to people, if the door downstairs is open, just come straight up. If it's closed, just wait downstairs and I'll come and get you as soon as I'm ready. Oh, wow. And so I had two hot seats and you'd sit in the hot seats and you could touch the people's feet um, (laughs) who were laying on the table from the hot seat. So very cozy. It was super cozy. And in summer in Australia, no air conditioning. You can imagine. Oh my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, it, it really built. And within 12 months, we, I was seeing 120 a week in my little 15 square meter room from wow. zero. Um, and See, I had people, no, there's no excuse out there. <laughs> I, I had no CA because for two reasons. I, d- I didn't want to take someone on until I'd figured out how I wanted the place to run. I, I wanted it to be um, an expression of my energy or my yeah. energetic signature on it. You know, right. And then I was happy to bring someone into that. But I, I'd been in other people's places for so long that I really just needed it to be of me and for me first and foremost. So I did everything myself. Um, I used my, my mobile phone number, the cell, my cell number is the clinic number. Um, I had a really basic website. Um, I pre-booked and prepaid for everyone's schedules. Um, and that was it. I, I just did it on my own uh, and it was really wonderful. And then it got to a point where I was absolutely spilling out of my 15 square meter room <laughs> and a 35 square meter room came available downstairs in the same building. And so I, I moved down there and uh, recently hired a CA who's amazing um, and we're rocking it and having a good time. That's awesome. And so that's right up to this point now, hey? That's up until this point. Yeah. So I worked for 14 months without a CA. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because I, you know, I've, I've interviewed people at two different um, aspects, like some got a CA before they, before they could even afford it. And, and they look back and said that was a good thing for them because they couldn't get some of the stuff done. But, it, but again, it's, it's finding out who you are and, and what's, what's going to be the best way it rolls out. Cause there is no right way. Like everybody has their own way. Absolutely. There's no right way. And that's why it's so funny. People, people message me saying, Oh, I heard you just had a really small room and no CA. Your overheads must have been really low. Can you tell me how you did it? And I say, I, I did it because I had to do it. Where was I going to put a CA in a 15 square meter? Room? Exactly. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but what you must have had really good email templates. I said, well, yeah, I did. But it was built on how I would speak to someone or how I would want my CA to speak to someone if there was a CA there. So you just need to embody yourself in everything you do. And then it's truthful and honest and people will feel um, respected from that and they will take your advice. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'm going to go off, off the, off the rails just a little bit, just to ask a couple different questions, just because we have, we have chiropractors out there, all different levels of practice. And, and what kind of, um, 
suggestions or tips would you have for someone? And maybe you can use an example from yourself of a time maybe where you got burnt out because there's a lot of chiropractors where we hear they kind of hit that burnout area and, and it has that ever happened to you? And then what were the, what were, how did you get back on track after? Yeah. I would have to say, yes, I have had periods in my career where I have felt burnt out. Um, and it almost always comes when I'm looking at chiropractic as an outcome rather than really just enjoying the process and the moments mm -hmm. when I'm constantly pushing, I've got to get 200 a week. I want to reach that goal and weeks and weeks and weeks on end. I've been at 197 or 194 <laughs> or 199. That was the worst one ever. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, why can't I get there? And they're the times when I find that I burn out. Um, and the times, you know, I've adjusted more people than that and not burnt out, but it's because I've not been looking at that outcome. It's just been like, I love where I am. I love my studio. I love my peeps. I come on in. I think of my studio as my house party now. Cool. I set the music. I, I wear whatever I want to wear that day. Um, <laughs> I always make sure I look fabulous, but that's yeah. the way it goes. Of course. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, and I set the vibe and I, I don't accept people that I don't think we're right for each other. It doesn't mean that chiropractic's not right for them. It just means that we're not right for each other. And so I really have create, I think creating that house party is really important. But in terms of um, not burning out, it's also a matter of looking after yourself. Right. Taking time for you. Do you have a self-care routine or, 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 or is there something that you, is there a ritual that you kind of do or how do you look after your self-care? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, my strength training and my exercise is a non-negotiable. That's an appointment that's in my calendar. That's um, not able to be moved by my assistant or by my husband or by any social events or anything. Yeah. I, I don't like to exercise, but I recognize that it gives to me and it helps me go into my practice and be strong and adjust people. Um, I'm an introvert, so I, I really value time on my own. So I actually spend a lot of time on my own. Uh -huh. um, and that might just be reading or that might be going for a walk or spending time at the beach or I don't feel the need to say yes to every social event anymore. Right. Um, I'm quite happy not answering a text if I don't want to answer a text yeah. message. I don't, I don't feel a slave to that. Um, and then also I've recently, I've always meditated, but I've recently increased my meditation practice. Um, and that's, that's really fabulous. So my alarm goes off, my alarm goes off at five thirty in the morning, but most of the time I'm already awake. Yeah. Um, I do 25-minute meditation uh, twice a day. So I do that at lunchtime as well. Um, I get up, I get dressed, I have some breakfast, and then I walk to work. And while I'm walking to work, I um, also listen to a chiropractic podcast. Cool. And that gets me going. Before we start this, it wouldn't have to be the breaking the underdog curse for chiropractors, would it? <laughs> <laughs> it that is definitely one of them. All yes, right. <laughs> Five stars, Don. Oh, thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> so, yeah, for me, setting up that routine, but also with my CA, before we start our shift, we meditate together. Um, nice. Lynn McEvania from Cairo Europe provides awesome free meditation for chiropractors to do with their staff. It's seven minutes. Oh, cool. Um, seven-minute guided meditation, and we do that before every shift together. And if we ever don't prioritize that, we notice that the shift is just 
mayhem and chaos. So I think that just setting the intention, getting in the right headspace and making sure you've got that ritual and routine where you bringing yourself up first before you bring others up is yeah really important. Cool. Now you, you've been doing some speaking now, right? Yes. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how did you start? How did you start speaking? <laughs> I, I started speaking when I moved back to Sydney, um, my beautiful friends, Sam and Gabby Flo- Floriani ah. um, of the famous Floriani family. Yeah. They had been living in Italy and they also moved back to Australia, down to Melbourne at, this, at a similar time. And they wanted to start a seminar that embodied Cairo Europe in Australia. Nice. And so they started this seminar called The Innate Summit. And so they invited everyone in Australia that they knew had been to Cairo Europe um, to come and speak because they knew they'd be able to help set the vibe. And I was one of those people. I'd never spoken in front of my peers before. I always thought I was totally fine with public speaking, but I tell you what, <laughs> um, I really wasn't. <laughs> as, as soon as I stood up in front of my peers, I just realized I had this insane fear yeah. of, of public speaking and, and not being, again, that self-worth thing came up. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough. Why am I up here? I haven't done enough. I haven't had enough success yet. Um, but then I kept getting asked and then I got asked to speak at other events. Um, and then probably, and of course each time got a little easier and I feel as though I became a little bit more coherent, but I got a lot of really positive feedback and messages from people in the crowd saying, I just loved how honest you were. I loved that you told us when you did stuff up and that you weren't perfect and that you're just like us. And (laughs) I have no problem sharing that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the, the big compliment came when Mark and Lynn asked me to speak at Cairo Europe. And that was, um, yeah, a really nice compliment. And so I spoke at Cairo Europe in September last year. And then again, April this year, which was when I met you and Brandy. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. And then we'll, we'll see you in Perth. You're coming Perth, to the, I will be there. To I'm the Vitality to the Shift. Vitality. Yep, that'll, I can't that'll. wait. And I'm, I'm bringing my CA um she's gonna um hopefully be the next brandy mcdonald or another brandy mcdonald she or, doesn't or, know it yet but, or she'll but just use brandy stuff to be her own amazing person on her own right that's exactly well, that's exactly what i meant thank you <laughs> as, as brandy always says we don't need more brandy mcdonald's we just need more people doing what they're best at right and doing yeah, and, and finding their finding their love of humanity and i think and I probably haven't articulated it that well today because it's early on a Saturday morning here in Australia. <laughs> but I think it's easy to think that chiropractic is about giving a good adjustment. And that's definitely one part of chiropractic. But I, I truly believe that chiropractic is about helping people understand their humanity and connecting with that. Um, and for us to see ourselves in other people and to really bring ourselves into the practice because when you're pretending to be someone else, when you're being the doctor and they're the patient and you're telling them how they should be or how they can lead a better life or what life um, would be better for them, Mm -hmm. you're, um, you're not on evil. You're not being honest with them and you're not on even playing fields. You're putting yourself as this superior person and making them inferior yeah. And you're creating all these levels of um, distance between, all these layers of distance between the two of you. 
Mm-hmm. And I think as soon as you become yourself and you can still be the doctor and they can still be the client or the patient or whatever you want to call it. But as soon as you're honest within that role, it levels you out and it becomes a relationship of trust. And that's really what allows connection. And that's what allows them to stay in your practice for a long time. And that's what allows them to take your recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that that really helps them find the vastness, the, the many benefits of chiropractic care for them. Mm-hmm. Just adjusting someone, I believe, isn't just isn't chiro- just chiropractic. Mm-hmm. It's really that connection aspect um, that I think allows us to help people find their power and, and really um, find, find all the true benefits of chiropractic care. That's cool. And now a question just popped into my head uh, just for fun. If you were mm-hmm. to talk to Dr. Aaron, who just graduated mm-hmm. 12 years ago, <laughs> what, what would you say to her? I would say to her, um, don't stress too much about your career because there's going to be many different corners within that career and many different journeys and many different paths and it's all going to be fine no matter what. And every single part of that journey is a good thing even if you're experiencing it as a bad thing at the time because it's only going to make you stronger and better and um, you're going to meet some wonderful people and you're going to have a great time. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> well, like what I like to do is always leave the last couple of minutes just in closing. Just, just the, you know, anything that comes to your head. We have chiropractors out there that feel like underdogs or are underdogs or, or feel like they're burnt out or feel like they're just plateaued or maybe a little bit stagnant in their life. And, and I was just wondering yeah. if you just take the last few minutes just to kind of share what comes to your mind, um, yeah, words of sure. inspiration for them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I went to Cairo, Europe. I've been going for years and my husband, David, came with me for the first time recently. Yes, I've been. years I've been going on my own and, and yeah, you did. Yep. And he, he said something that really stood out. He said, I now understand how important it is for you to go. Mm. He said, I always thought you just wanted to go on a trip to Europe. He said, but, you know, you guys do something quite unique and quite special and something that's really, really important and you're, you're often hearing negative things about what you do and yourself all the time from many different angles. And he said, I now can really see how much it builds you up and keeps you strong and gives to you to go and be with your community and be with your people. And so I would say to anyone struggling, it's really easy to say, Oh, I don't want to go hang out with chiropractors or I don't want to go do a chiropractic thing on my time off. But The reality is your life is your one life. You don't have a practice life and then an out-of-practice life. It it is actually all the same thing. And when you're feeling burnt out, it's because most of the time you've lost your love of of what you do or you've lost even being able to see why you do what you do. Uh And so at those times, connecting with your community is really the elixir that's going to bring you back to life. And whether that's DE or whether that's going to a vitality shift or whether that's a Cairo Europe or whether that's coming to the Innate Summit if you want to come visit Australia, mm-hmm. the money that you're going to invest in that is a drop in the ocean compared to what it's going to give to you and it really will bring you back to life. So I highly recommend prioritising that um, in, in, in your professional life, in your personal life, in your one life. Um, 
to, to really help you get through those tough times. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. <laughs> I appreciate it so much. It's my pleasure, Don. Thank you. And so for everybody out there, you know, my, I think the big thing I got out of this was connection, uh, connecting to yourself, connecting to chiropractic and connecting to your community. And uh, when you do all three of those things, you can get out there like always and crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.